and welcome back to another episode of Travel Minded the Podcast. On today's podcast, we are joined by the lovely Hope Virgo. Hope is an international advocate for people with eating disorders, having suffered from an eating disorder since she was young. On today's podcast, we talk about how travelling can help her mentally and keep her on the road to recovery. Hello, Hope. Thank you for coming on the Travel Minded podcast. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. What has been your best memory with travelling, like, to date? What do you love the most about travelling? Yeah, so... I've, I've done quite a bit of traveling in my time and I think the main one of my I was gonna think like one of my favorite ever memories probably goes back to um I went to Jordan about three years ago I think it was four years ago and um I did like a trek through um it was called Wadi Mujib where basically you trek through a bit of a canyon you go through water you then go up um kind of towards a waterfall and then you slide down the waterfall and when I say the waterfall you it's not like a massive waterfall it's like a tiny little waterfall at the other end um but we set up for this trek and I was like so nervous and then we were in this water and I was like oh something's gonna be in the water like something's gonna kill me like I just was convinced that I was gonna die basically um and then after like 10 minutes, I was like, right, I'm going to go back. And um, my other half was like, no, you're not. Like, you've got to keep going. And I was like, don't speak to me like that. Um, but actually, like, I'm really pleased that he did speak to me like that. Because actually, it got me to the other end. And yeah, I absolutely loved it. And I think for me, like, with I do I do go to the Middle East a lot. And like, it's for, like, it really works from like a food perspective and everything like that so yeah anywhere there kind of is just amazing that's amazing I'd love to go to Jordan's it was on my bucket list of somewhere to go but then lockdown happened and I was like oh so did you manage to go to Petra there yeah I did yeah so um yeah we yeah we did Petra on like the second day which was incredible like I wasn't really sure what to expect to be honest I thought I thought like you know with some of these things like there's so much hype around it that I was like, oh, it's going to be like that. It's not going to be that great. And actually, when I, I went to Cambodia kind of nine years ago and went to Angkor Wat, yeah. and I did really enjoy it. I just thought it was like, there was so way too much hype about it. And I was like, oh, it's going to be a repeat of that. Um, but it was amazing. Like, really? we, we must have, we got there at like the crack of dawn um, just because we wanted to get there before any other tourists were there. And then we just spent the whole day just kind of like pottering around and even when we finished, we were both like exhausted, but we were like, there's probably still stuff that we've missed. Yeah. We were like trying to work out like, oh, whether we should try and just stay. But we were like, no, it's like, we've been here for like, we must've been there for like 12 hours or something ridiculous. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was like, we need to go and get some dinner and just switch off. Yeah, definitely. And what do you find like the most exciting part about traveling? Like you mentioned the food, so you quite integrated with cultures when you go on your travels. Yeah, we're one of those, <clears throat> I guess I'm one of those people that I don't go, I don't get anywhere touristy, um, yeah. which my mum gets really annoyed about. She's like, why do you always go to risky places? I'm like, I don't want to go somewhere where there's loads of other English people. Um, yeah. So yeah, I do. And I love, I really love just like hearing like other people's stories and yeah, like I guess kind of trying to live out their culture a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, and actually I went to, um, I went to Palestine um, a while ago and spent like quite a lot of time kind of right out like right on the wall 
um, so stayed in Bethlehem and like just listening to people's experiences and people's stories I just found it so fascinating so I think yeah. like I always yeah I just love I love that side of things and going to kind of the places that people yeah don't go and don't stay um, and particularly I think when you go to countries like that where there's all like these really swanky hotels that kind of pop up and probably I couldn't really afford those hotels anyway, but actually like, it's nice to go to the places where you have a bit more of like an intimate relationship and an intimate Definitely. Staff. Yeah. Live like a local. As they yeah. say. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. Do you have like a particular like favorite place that has been yours? Or would you say Jordan is your favorite place? Yeah, I think Jordan's definitely up there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think, yeah, I, I did, I absolutely loved it. And I, like, it was just such a varied trip. Like, we did kind of Petra, we did a bit of trekking. Like, we spent a day by the Dead Sea. Like, oh, did amazing. so much varied surf. Um, but I think, yeah, I think I lived in um, Thailand for a year in, like, oh, the middle really? of nowhere to do some volunteering. And I think for me, like, although it's probably not my favourite place, I think Thailand will always have a bit of a special place because it was like the first, yeah, like the first big trip I ever did on like and things like that. But um, yeah, like just the Middle East ticks all the boxes for me, kind of yeah. Jordan with food and with the activity. And I'm one of those people that really struggled to, struggles to switch off. Um, I think it's partly like working for myself and probably in the area that I work in. So actually when I go on holiday, I have to kind of, do quite a lot of activity so that I do switch off which Jordan obviously offers all of that sort of stuff definitely and what type of volunteering did you do in Thailand uh, so I worked in a children's center and um, so with kids that had been abandoned um, or had lost their parents yeah. so I did like it was it was it was really good I I did a little bit of teaching but I basically just like cuddled children which sounds yeah. ridiculous. And if you did that in <laughs> England, it just wouldn't be allowed. Um, but basically kind of was a bit like a house nanny for about 30 kids, um, which was really fun. Like by the end of it, I looked absolutely exhausted and was just very, yeah, quite haggard and was, yeah, but it was just really fun actually. And yeah. like just living, yeah, living out there for so long was really nice actually. Definitely. I love doing volunteering and that type of stuff. Like honestly, right now I'm like, oh, could I get away with going abroad and volunteering? Because I just want to, <laughs> I want to make good use of my time, like especially kind of being limited with the amount of like work you can do and being able to like go out and see people. I'm like, well, right now is like the perfect time to be able to go out and help people. I've been to Kenya a few times and done tra uh, kind of volunteering there with like local villages and schools. And it's just so rewarding but also puts your life into perspective and makes you really appreciate kind of what you have and I think it's definitely something that everyone should do at some point yeah I agree and I think particularly at the moment it is yeah I was actually looking earlier this morning thinking like <laughs> where could I go and just be yeah. like a couple of months and like, there's yeah. nothing to do in London you can't do anything so I might as yeah. well go somewhere and do nothing somewhere hot yeah um, and I'm thinking yeah. as well if you go out and volunteer Surely that's essential. It means that you can go out and take some essential items to villages. I'm like, surely, surely there's a way around this. <laughs> when you find the way around it, tell me. I will, I will. <laughs> so, where is on your bucket list? Um, so, I've never been to America. Um, yeah. So, I'd love to go to America. Um, yeah, I'd love to go to America just to experience it, I think, and see what it's like. Um, but I think also 
I'd love to do New Zealand. Um, yeah. So do some like really good hiking. That would be awesome. And I think just obviously the scenery would just be epic. Um, and I've also I've also got in my head I really want to go to Cuba, um, yeah. which kind of feels a bit. I always when I think that I'm like it's kind of random. And I'm also like why don't I just why didn't I just go? Um, <laughs> I was actually thinking about going last summer, but then couldn't obviously with COVID, but I'd like to go. Yeah. I'd like to go there actually. And I just think like, I'm, yeah, I just love, I love going away. So I think I just, as soon as we're able to, I think I need to start booking some stuff again, but yeah, long haul kind of flights I probably would do. Um, my next big trip I'm hoping will be somewhere like New Zealand. Yeah, that's brilliant. So you're very into like adventure holidays, like after trekking and kind of just getting involved. Yeah, pretty much. So when I lived, um, <laughs> When I lived in Thailand, at the end of it, I did Southeast Asia and I went to um, Malaysia and to like the islands in Thailand and basically spent like a month just like lying on a beach every day. Yeah. Like, and I was so, I don't know how I did it now, but I was just there like sunbathing, like, you know, like that's the sweat is just like over your body and you're like, this is amazing. <laughs> but I actually just couldn't do that now. Like I went, yeah, I went to Germany in the summer um, and like when we kind of drove around the lake, Lake Constance a bit, did some walking, stuff like that. And we had a day, half a day on the beach. And by the end of it, I was like, do you know what? I'm like just so over just sunbathing all the time. So I think like, it's it's good to get variety, but I kind of save my sunbathing holidays for kind of like girl trips um, yeah. instead of like, yeah, other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair enough. And you've been very open about having an eating disorder. Um, and how would you find that that kind of had an effect on maybe traveling and holidays because I know that there's a few talks that you tend to deliver to um, universities and schools and you're a public speaker in that area and talking about mental health and there was a particular talk that I was watching where you were speaking about how you went on a holiday um, with your friends and it was when um, they were eating what they wanted and you were very much like well how, how are they doing that? How would you find there's that connection between having, you know, a mental health kind of condition and having an eating disorder and that having an impact on kind of traveling and how you feel when you're traveling? Yeah, do you know, it's such it's such a good question. And it's it has been quite hit and miss, to be honest. So when I so I spent a year in hospital when I was 17 and the first bit of traveling I did after that was I went interrailing with my school friends mm -hmm. around Europe, like first year out of uni. So kind of a year after I'd come out of hospital and I was so set on doing it that I was like, I'm going to make myself do it. I'm going to push through all of that, like that discomfort. And I was like, it's only a month. It'll be fine. And the rule was that I could only go if I pretty much ate exactly what my best friend was eating. So I pretty much just like did that for a month and got back and had survived it and was like, do you know what? I'd managed it like it's okay. Yeah. But I guess the real challenge then was when I went, when I lived in Thailand for that year, like it was, it was really difficult in places. Like I couldn't, it was really hard. And actually looking back, I was very lucky because I felt able to kind of sit with a lot of that negativity. And I think being there for such a long time, I also just switched off from like, yeah diet culture and calorie counting and I had this realization I remember it was one morning we were crossing the border into Laos 
and we hadn't like we hadn't had we hadn't had breakfast that morning we'd had a really rubbish dinner the night before and all we had was like cans of tuna and I was literally like this is ridiculous I was like it's like half six in the morning and I was like you know I have to have something and it was at that point when I was like do you know what like I can't not have anything I'm gonna just have to sit with this and do it so I think quite often I'm really good when I'm just thrown into that environment where I don't have a choice because it helps to alleviate some of the guilt um but I think like the traveling, traveling has been a massive thing and it was a massive motivator for me when I was unwell and when I was in hospital. So I've always tried to kind of go through it and push myself through it, but it, it is really difficult. And actually one of the reasons we go to the Middle East a lot is because I know that I can deal with the food there. And one yeah. of the reasons I have never been to America is because in my head, I'm like, oh my goodness, everyone says the portion sizes are massive. How would I navigate it? Um, and I think it's I think it's hard because when you have an eating disorder, particularly if you go into treatment, um, you go you get quite institutionalized. So you know how many calories to have a day. You're fixated on like tracking things and counting everything, and it seems really scary to not do that. Yeah. But I've been kind of thinking and working through a lot of that recently, actually, around actually just learning to listen to my body so much more and. For me, it's like, actually, you, we need to be challenging that a little bit more, even when we're not on holiday and just pushing those boundaries. And I guess like working out what my body needs, what it doesn't need. Um, so, yeah, when I go on holiday, I always I always have um, like an easy meal the night before I go. So I'm not like stressing or anxious about it. I also will have one day on holiday that I'm allowed to have an easier day with food. So for me, that's like I quite I might go to the supermarket and get. I don't know like a sandwich or get food that is just quite staple I guess um and then I always have uh yeah we, we only ever go out for one meal pretty much um and my other half will go out as much as he wants but I plan to just have that one evening meal out and we always stay somewhere that's catered if we can yeah. so that if I do have a bit of a like a I call it like a wobbly moment then I can actually just be catered for but I think it, yeah I think I'm realizing that it's really really important to push myself harder and actually just before I think it was like three weeks ago, I realized that I'd got into this kind of cycle with my breakfast where I was having the same breakfast every day and it was fine. And I think for some people that is okay, but I was realizing for me that actually by doing this every single day, it meant that I wasn't able to challenge myself. I wasn't able to introduce that variety. And actually, if I want to go away on more trips after COVID, I need to have that variety back and mm -hmm. I can't not stay in a hotel because they don't have the eggs that I like. Do you know what I mean? Like I need to be a bit more flexible. So I think sometimes with eating disorders, it, it is very limiting and it's restricts you doing stuff you want to do. But actually you have to, if you want to travel, find a way to deal with that and push yourself. Um, and I think as well, like with, I guess the other aspect that comes up quite a bit for me is like the whole area of body image. And yeah. whilst my eating disorder isn't caused by bad body image, the body image gets so wrapped up in it and so sometimes when I'm away and I'm kind of constantly challenging it and pushing it, my body image gets really, really bad. And I'm like sitting on a beach or whatever, or wearing shorts. And I'm like, this, I shouldn't be wearing this. Or mm. I'm like trying to cover up constantly, which obviously in the Middle East is fine. <laughs> but when you go other places, it's, it's, it's less comfortable to do that and not as good. And so I think for me in those situations, like I just have to tell someone, I'm like, you know what, I'm really struggling with this. Like, I don't feel great in my body. And I then know that once I've said that, I can work out that actually my body hasn't changed in the last four days from eating whatever I've eaten. But actually it's just all, it's, it's in my head and it's my brain and my eating disorder trying to distort that a little bit more. Um, and I think a big thing for me is 
having that accountability and I think I am lucky in that sense like I've got a good support network and if I go out for dinner in the evening and I panic about it I can check in with someone and be like have I had enough today is this too much and sometimes it's just having that reassurance I think which really helps yeah definitely and I think for me personally the reason I wanted to set up this podcast was to I always found that traveling helped me deal with my mental health um, because it was an opportunity to, I think you've got the opportunity to be able to kind of step back, have a bit of a reset, but also to have something to look forward to. And I think that's one of the hardest things with lockdown because even back home, you'd have outings to look forward to. You'd be like, oh, great, we're going to dinner. Um, So it's really hard and I think it's had a real impact on a lot of people's mental health in the sense of socializing um and like have you found that there's been a been a bit of a link between mental health and traveling do you think there is it's fair to say that traveling can help your mental health yeah I do I I think it can and I think from my my experience it definitely has um I'm sure there must be some research out there to prove it properly. But I know for me it has. And actually sometimes I say, sometimes when I'm struggling, I'm like, do you know what? If the NHS would just provide me with like two weeks of holiday, then I'd be fine. Um, And I think it is, I think it's really important though. And I know that I'm probably guilty of this at times too, to actually like not run away from stuff. So I know sometimes when I book a holiday, I think I'm like, oh, I just need to get away. Like, and that's a healthy thing. But other point, other times you're like, I need to run away from what's happening or this situation. And I think it's like working out whether you're doing it because you want to break or because you're running away from something. But I think definitely does. And I think, I think just having that time away, particularly when you've had an eating disorder, it's like in England, like we're so fixated on food and calories Mm. and exercise that actually sometimes just going abroad and like you said like even with volunteering you get a bit of perspective on things you you have a chance to focus your mind on something else and actually that really helps and I remember when I did um like a stint of volunteering recently um in France and like the food I found quite challenging in places and we went out for this one evening meal and I, I found it really difficult actually but I was like oh, do you know what I need to just stick with it I need to keep doing it mm-hmm. so I've got to have something and the next morning I got up and normally I'd be in a bit of like overdrive in my head, kind of ruminating, panicking about the food. But because we immediately went into a volunteering activity, I was like, Do you know, what? I've, I've got I've got to switch off. I've got to focus on this. And I think where I'm at, particularly with my recovery and what traveling does for me is it motivates me to keep pushing those boundaries and pushing myself to actually get to that place in my recovery where I'm, I'm OK with a last minute trip or a last minute this and and things like that. And I think within that as well, like. It, it is very good for you because it also you can work out who when you're working out who you want to go with and actually setting those boundaries within that I remember um like two years ago I went away with my friend and um we went to uh Mallorca for like five days or something and did like a bit of a drive around the island and um she before we went the flight was at like 6 p.m so we we're gonna land at like I don't know I don't know eight half eight or something and yeah. I texted her on the way to the airport and was like oh so what are you doing about dinner tonight like are you having dinner are you having on the plane and she replied and she was like she was like I don't know she's like I'm just gonna listen to my body and see what I feel like and at that point I was like do you know what like for the weekend that five days I was like, I'm gonna try really hard to not kind of be stressing about my eating and having a very regimented day and I think for me actually just when you go away, you have a bit more flexibility in that sense. It can be really, really helpful to kind of push it a little bit further. 
definitely and I think it's just a really nice opportunity to be able to reflect and have time to you know think about things and put everything into perspective but I feel like that's a really lovely um way to end things really so thank you so much for your time it's been lovely it's been lovely chatting to you and hope I wish you all the best um with your recovery and your journey and hopefully we can get planning some trips soon. (laughs) Yes, they definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take care. Don't forget to subscribe to the Travel Minded podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Travel Minded the podcast. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Justice Abroad. Justice Abroad was founded in 2019 and is led by myself, Michael Polak, a trained barrister and expert in international law and assistance. Justice Abroad operates to ensure that people who travel overseas for work or pleasure can be confident that if anything goes wrong, there'll be someone ready to help them. We are seeing an increasing number of cases across the world where people find themselves in trouble and we've been asked to assist. Justice Abroad has a team of top investigators, lawyers around the world and support staff available to provide unparalleled support. Many people when travelling have an attitude of, it'll never happen to me, and then when something does go wrong, they feel helpless, with nowhere to turn. Anyone travelling for any purpose should be aware of the issues that could arise, and be prepared to get in touch with us, should something go wrong. We currently have cases in Greece, China, Thailand, Somalia, Myanmar, Cyprus, Spain, Vietnam, and many other countries around the globe. The increased number of cases which are coming to us proves how frequently travellers can find themselves in trouble often as a victim of crime or accused of offences they did not commit. Usually, travel insurance will not cover you for assistance and advice with legal problems overseas. And even where they do, the assistance can prove ineffectual and not practical. At Justice Abroad, we have an extremely hands-on approach that allows our clients to feel assured that we will deal with every aspect of their situation and ensure they have the best possible outcome. We're Justice Abroad, and we're here when you need us.